Hello, my name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode 180 of Geekitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. How you doing, Ray? I'm doing good, Joe. How's it going? It's going well. It's going well. Now that we got our technical difficulties under control, we're all good. Yeah, now that it's going, it's going well. Happy New Year. Oh shit, no kidding, huh? Happy New Year to you too. Are you uh have you have you successfully slunk into 2021 with no uh <laughs> no major issues yet? Um yeah, but you know, I saw a tweet yesterday that said uh, twenty. The new year doesn't start until Monday, and I kind of agree with that. So, <laughs> that, that that's fair. That's fair. We're just like you know, just toe by toe sneaking into the year. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Yeah, I'm excited about this podcast because we're gonna get to talk about this Wonder Woman film. I I don't even know where to go with this, Ray. Like, <laughs> that's <laughs> you great. Take the lead on this one because, wow, just <laughs> wow. Okay, that's good to know. I mean, we'll we'll get to the conversation eventually after the break, but um, it's good to know that you know sometimes I feel like I'm maybe w- without w- without intent. I'm sort of being unfairly harsh on mm-hmm. some movies, you know. Mm-hmm. So. It's it's a little uh, comforting to know that I'm not the only one. No, I don't think I don't think you're the only one. <laughs> um, what what have you been up to? Have you had any time with the holidays to uh, keep geeking out? Yes, yes. As a matter of fact, um, after we recorded our last podcast episode, I went ahead. And you you hooked me, man. You you got me <laughs> so hyped for WandaVision. That um, I just started doing. I just took a deep dive into um, Scar- the Scarlet Witch's uh, comic book history, and holy crap, there's a lot there. Uh- <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's honestly when they they were gonna. Add, I mean, I knew they would gonna, they were gonna add her eventually to the Avengers, but when I saw that they were adding her, I'm like, how are they gonna do this? I mean, the, her and Carol Danvers have very complicated histories, but I feel like they've retconned a lot of Carol's out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. I feel like, um, I am just, it's, it, it just started to, and I mean, so for weekly geekery, I mean, I watched a number of YouTube videos on the history of Scarlet, Witch. uh, explain, no comics explained, you know, who is Scarlet, Witch. Mm -hmm. um, origin story, all that stuff. I read the Wikipedia Wikipedia page. Um, and it really sunk in to me for the first time. I think just what a, what a nexus this character is for like almost the entire Marvel universe. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Like she's, you know, obviously a member of both the X-Men and the Avengers. She also has connections to, Dr. Doom and the Fantastic Four. She's been the catalyst for so many major storylines in the Marvel Universe. And it's interesting to me. I wonder, I wonder what was, it makes me wonder what was going, what was on the whiteboard, Kevin Feige's whiteboard, you know, uh-huh, <laughs> leading up uh-huh. to, to Avengers Age of Ultron. He said, okay, we're going to bring in Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver into this movie. And I wonder what the um, 
what the backup plan was considering that they had that negotiation with Fox because those, those two characters are also technically mutants. Right. Right. You know, and it's, it's almost like they fought over Quicksilver for a minute, but I, it makes me wonder if Feige was like, ah, I didn't even really care about Quicksilver, <laughs> which was really the one, you know what I mean? Like if it was like a psych out, like at that time. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I, that makes sense because remember Fox just had that huge success with that really cool um, Quicksilver scene in yeah. the second of the prequels. Yeah, well, what happened was that they were both planning to use Quicksilver in the next film, Mm -hmm. right? And so that's where the negotiations needed to happen. And, um, you know, Vox ended up not doing anything with Scarlet Witch. And, you know, Scarlet Witch now in the MCU is like, holy shit, like she's everything. Yeah, I've heard rumors, like just watching different things that – Quicksilver may at least make an appearance in WandaVision, if not them using that as a way to bring him back. Ooh, of course, because if she's creating this reality where she's making her dreams come true, right? Mm-hmm. That makes total sense. Um, and uh, I was really, I got really giddy and had to message you when I came across that little tidbit about, you know, um, uh, her in the comic books, she makes herself pregnant, right? Because she obviously she can't get pregnant by vision because he's an Android. Right. So she makes herself pregnant through her magical powers. And then we find out that her kids are actually like shards of the soul of a demon. And I was like, oh, Joe mentioned Mephisto in there. Yeah. And and then so he comes to take his soul back. And so her kids are gone. I mean, there's a really, really creepy comic book panel. I can't, I, I wish I knew who drew it. Literally of like this demon, like waving his arms, but his arms are her two kids. Yikes. Yeah. It's like nightmare fuel. And um, and in order to in order to guard her from the the pain of losing her children, um, her witch mentor, uh, uh, Agatha, what was her name? Harkness. Harkness blocks her memory of having her kids at all. And when she figures that out, when she finds that out, she, she basically fires her, she leaves her mentor. And then she seeks out help in order to get her kids back. And she seeks out the help of Dr. Doom. Which you've been you've been really pushing the idea that that yes, end of, of phase five or six is going to be Doctor Doom. Yes, and apparently, it, at some point, the the uh, what is the doc, What is Doctor Strange's uh, the the great one? No, um, the ancient one. The ancient one uh, had Wanda under consideration as the as New York's. Sor- sorcerer supreme or whatever mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they decided she they disqualified she this is not to her knowledge but they disqualified her because of her instability right so that's a, like there's the connection to dr doom and the multiverse of madness and that stuff like she was actually in the running to be a sorcerer supreme yeah 
Yeah. Dude, there's so much. There's so much going on with Wanda. She, she's so like, and this is why she's one of my favorite characters. I feel bad because they've done a lot of bad stuff to her over the years. There's yeah. a lot of retconning and backing and forthing, and how yeah. do we make this all make sense? Well, we'll just make her life just that much more horrible. Yeah. Um, but she's just a fascinating character. Yes. Yes. Um, I also um have been watching a lot of movies lately, um, with my partner and. She at some point was like, what's, you know, we're, we're watching movies based on my tastes and I'm, you know, I'm really grateful and, and, you know, glad that you're appreciative that, you know, you're, you're picking these movies that I end up really liking, but what about the movies that you love? <laughs> like, what are the, and I was like, oh, well, you know, we're not going to get to the Marvel stuff until this summer, probably. Cause that's a whole thing. Right. Um, and that got me thinking like, well, what, you know, what are my favorite movies and are any comic book movies on that list of my favorite movies of all time? And I just started thinking like, what are my favorite comic book movies of all time? And so I kind of reached out to, to my buddies who I like to talk with about this stuff, Jason and and Christian. Um, And I was like, what, what are your top three favorite comic book or superhero movies? Not comic book movies because so like road to perdition is technically a comic book movie. You know what I mean? Like, right, 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 right. right. So, superhero so, movies. Yeah. Superhero movies. And Christian comes back right away with the crow was definitely on that list. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Yes. Not your like, you know, typical superhero, but yeah, because technically he has powers and you know, he fights bad guys. So, okay. And then Jason says, uh, is Jesus Christ a superhero? <laughs> <laughs> oh, because he said Passion of the Christ was one of his favorite superhero movies. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I got a lot of uh... – <laughs> that shit just cracked me up, man. That's I was... too funny. Yeah, it, it, Jason's one of those, you know, is a hot dog a sandwich, guys. Like he, you know <laughs> – so, um, but that just had me thinking. I ended up working on a list. Uh, maybe we can go over it to in into you know more detail on a future episode. But yeah, yeah, I think there's enough superhero movies out there now to make a list of like what are your top five favorite superhero movies of all time. I, we've probably talked about this in the past, but it's time for me to update my list. So that's what I've been working on this week as well. That's so hard. I'd have to really think about that. There's a lot of other things that I could top five really easily. Top five superhero movies. That's gonna be rough. Yeah, and I'll tell you the hardest part for me was and 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 Jason and Christian as we were having this conversation is how much this how how much do you do you give to context because I listed Endgame in my top three. Yeah, definitely. And immediately it's like, yeah, but does Endgame stand alone? And then my question was, well, but should it have to stand alone? Right. So yeah, that it it, it is tough. Absolutely. Ah, oh, geez. I'm going to have to think about that. We'll, we'll definitely make that an episode coming up. Cool. Cool. So what about you? What have you, you been up to? Uh, well, we finally launched um, the As the Dice Roll podcast. Mm. And so we did our first episode um, of our Cautious Optimism campaign. And so a lot of time has gone into getting that set up, getting all the, I, I forget. I forget how much goes into um, – starting a new podcast, especially when, you know, I've, I've started ones just for fun, Mm -hmm. but when you really want it to be successful and you've got a lot of people involved, it's just, it's a whole different creature. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so, so yeah, so it was a lot of time doing that. I've spent 
hours and hours and hours editing. And I've still got hours and hours to go because I've got another episode coming out this Friday, which is a completely different campaign. And we'll back and forth between those two campaigns until we add an additional campaign, which I'm now starting to work on. So it's just becoming this, yeah, it's becoming this thing, which is very exciting and very fun. And I love it. But every once in a while, I just go, Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to edit. I don't want to edit anymore. Um, but that's it. I mean, that's that's been a big chunk of it. And then um, my guild in WoW is, you know, where we took a little bit of time off for the holidays from raiding. And in that time, we realized we don't have enough healers. And that's a problem because you need, you know, there's different roles that you fill when you're raiding. There's tanks who take all the damage. There's healers that heal all the damage. And there's DPS who do all the damage. And... Um, and we don't have enough healers and you can't play without enough healers. So um, I specifically picked a role, like a, a character, this, this expansion that could do all three roles. And so I thought I was going to end up having to tank because usually they're the hardest roles to fill because they're the most responsibility and they're really hard. Um, but I'm going to actually try and start healing, which is very stressful <laughs> because you have to, you have, to, it's like making the mistake of trying to make uh, a sports analogy. It's basically like you're on your, your first stringer. If you're a, a healer or a tank. And so more eyes are more on you. Responsibility. Exactly. There's a lot more responsibility. You have to make sure that people aren't dying. Um, it's really frustrating to die when you're in the middle of a raid because these boss fights take like 10, 15 minutes. You know, you're, you're playing consistently against one opponent for 10 to 15 minutes. And so it's frustrating because if you go down, like if you die early, then you just kind of have to sit there and watch everybody else struggle through. And so, you know, the healers are, some are dedicated to keeping the tanks up. Some are dedicated to keeping the rest of the raid up. And it's just, so I, even just this morning, I actually ran my first dungeon. I didn't even do it with my, my, um, uh, my guild. I just was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try it my own. And, Oh my God. <laughs> so tired at the end. Oh, I'm like, this is stressful. It's fun. But at least I kind of learned, okay, I need to make these changes to my like my setup and, and things. So that's that's been what I've been working on this this weekend, has been so trying to figure out how to heal. This I have a question. Uh, as someone who's not familiar with, you know, this type of like role-playing game and stuff. Um mm-hmm. so you've you I mean you've been playing you've been playing a long time. Yes. Probably close to 16 years, 15, 15. Is it, is it typical for someone to sort of like settle into a role and just stick with that for that long without like performing other roles on the team? Oh yeah. There's some people that will only do one role. Like that's it. And there's, there's some people that will only play one class. (laughs) Yeah. They don't want to, they don't want to try and do other things because they would just really enjoy playing that, that type of character. Are there any scatterbrained Geminis that like play just every role? Like they just switch around all the time? Oh yeah. Oh, definitely. And I mean, I've got, I've got a lot of characters, but I tend to play just DPS because they're the easiest and you can do a lot of solo stuff just by DPSing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's really no point to tanking or healing unless you're going to do end game group content, um, which is a big reason why I, I haven't done tanking or healing is because I've, I haven't played with a, 
guild doing endgame content for like eight or nine years. So there was no reason to do it, you know, just run around and, and do your own thing. Um, so, yeah, so it's been fun. Like yeah. it's, it's going to be fun, but it's, it's just a whole new way of playing. And I kind of, it was kind of one of my new year's resolutions was to, to kind of get out of my comfort zone because this guild is really good. They, they don't um, both guild, the guild leader and the raid leader are um, ex like hardcore raiders which is, you know, they go in so, some of these, <laughs> some of these groups, Ray, they like yell at you. It's like, you know, a drill sergeant, you're not doing enough damage, you know, and, and <laughs> they decided Jeez. when they, yeah, they decided when they created this guild, they're like, you know what? We're tired of this. We just want to be able to play with friends. And so we're going to kind of create an atmosphere where we're teaching people how to play these, these things, as opposed to demanding that they, are at the top of their game. I mean, they, they do expect you to, you know, put in the work, but you're not getting yelled at for like making a mistake. That's so interesting because, you know, as someone who's, who's been really, really into comic books my whole life, but also really, really into sports. I've heard a lot about how, you know, jocks are really competitive and geeks are not really into competition that way. But <laughs> <laughs> well, that is just more. <laughs> that isn't true at all. <laughs> uh, you used a phrase in passing just now, DPSing, and it led me to Google DPS because I have no fucking idea what that means. Oh, and I'm it sorry. Up, it came up as damage per second in an yeah. online gaming context. DPS is a measurement of damage that can be done by a weapon, spell, other equipment, player, or group of players in an online game. It's used as a metric in some games to allow determination of offensive power. But you used it as like a as a, a, a verb, DPSing? Yeah, because... I think that's a verb. You're an English teacher, correct? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is. Um, it's... You, we use it as a verb because that's kind of the role you're filling. So if you're if you're playing a DPS character, it means that your whole job is to cause damage. Got and it. so usually there's the the way these boss fights happen is there's you know a boss and there's certain mechanics like these fights will have three or four phases and each phase has a different thing that you have to do um, in order to get to the next phase and it's often. Um, kind of marked by how much life the boss has left. Mm, okay. And so uh, if you've never watched, uh, if you've never seen this kind of stuff, it's really interesting to watch because it's a team effort. You have certain people doing different roles. I mean, within the, the three, you know, you've got the three basic roles, which is tank healer and DPS, but then you have, um, you know, different people assigned to different tasks during the battle. Mm -hmm. So you might have to pick things up when they drop, or you may have to, um, when, when little ads of additional bad guys come in, you have to kind of damage them down before they get to the, the rest of the party. You know, there's just all these different mechanics that you have to run every time you, you get into a new boss fight and we actually have to go on before our raids and go onto youtube and watch the you know the professional um raiders do the boss fight so we kind of know how the mechanics work and then we go in and try and do our best to imitate what they did so you have but to kind of be like the x-men you have to like work together 
Oh yeah, and I think that's that's really what is most enjoyable about raiding is that you're all working together when you, you know, save somebody else from getting killed or you pull off a maneuver really really well. Like there's just the sense of like accomplishment mm-hmm. and a lot of funny stories happen because, you know, <laughs> we we go into it knowing that we're not going to necessarily um bring the boss down, but every try you learn more and more about how to beat him. And then you come back with a little bit more of that knowledge. But sometimes you'll have, I remember back in the day when I was raiding, um, I think my brother and a he was a tank and a, a healer was the only two people left in the raid that was up. Everybody else was dead and they ended up beating the boss, just the two of them mm-hmm. because they just kept at it. <laughs> And so all of us are sitting there <laughs> watching and, you know, it's amazing because you're like, you're rooting for them. Like you would root for your teammates and it's just, it's just fun. It's like video games, but team sports. It's, it's, yeah. it's all, it's a whole different way of playing video games. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. If I had more time, I feel like there's something I could get really into. And I just like, there's so many things I already do. <laughs> I'm telling you, one of these days we're going to just have to like sign you up oh, and get God. you playing. I've got, I've got a great guild for you. <laughs> oh God. Something, that, something else is going to have to go. I'm looking around at my life going like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll wait when you're done with your masters and then we'll, we'll, there you go. we'll look at, we'll look at replacing some of that with some video games. There you go. Screenwriting is going to have to go then. That's queued up after my masters. That's going to have to go. <laughs> All right. Well, shall we? I've, we've been putting it off. Shall we? Shall we dive into Wonder Woman? Spoilers. I don't even know what to say about this movie, Ray. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to get into it then. All right. Yeah. We'll we'll be right back. When toxic culture has you down. When you're just looking to laugh and have fun. Kick back and enjoy watching a video game. Or just make some new friends. It's time to visit the Geek2Geek Media Network. A community of podcasters, streamers, and bloggers. Well, more of a family than a community. All dedicated to geeking out about the things we love. Things like... Video games! Star Wars! Comics! Movies, K-pop, Disney Plus, Keanu Keanu Reeves, new, or whatever our community decides is the next best thing. That's right. We have a great online community on Slack and Discord where we chat about our weekly geekery with listeners and viewers. And each other. Yep. And each other in real time. And we can't wait for you to join us. So come check us out at geek2geekmedia.com. And escape toxic fandom for something much more... Keanu? Yes, Keanu. And we're back. And we're talking today about Wonder Woman 84. Yes, WW84. I don't know. I've been calling it Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, It's basically Wonder Woman 2, right? Yeah, basically. Basically. And... I had I had seen the the reviews and my my friend Marcel had texted me on Christmas Day and said what did I just watch, <laughs> um, and and so I went into this knowing that it was not going to be a terribly good movie, mm. but Jesus Christ, Ray, <laughs> you know I I was excited to see this as I've mentioned on this podcast before. Uh, my partner is, you know, very new to, to movies of any kind, really, especially superhero movies. And so, you know, for some reason we've started with 
the DC movies. It's a long story. I've, I've shared it before. Um, but um, knowing that this was coming out on Christmas Day, knowing that her and I are quarantined together and I'm going to watch this movie and she's going to probably have to sit through it with me, I thought, well, it's only fair for me to catch her up on DC stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we were we were somewhat anticipating this movie. I was. I was like, okay, we're all caught up. I, you know, I rewatched Wonder Woman, and I have to say, I think I was harder on that movie when it first came out than than it deserved. Uh-huh. Um, I still do not like the third act, but no. it wasn't as egregious the second time around. Uh, it's very interesting watching these movies with someone who doesn't know anything about superhero movies, you know, mm-hmm. because it's interesting to see what hooks them and and what how things land with them versus my expectations, right? Right. So she she actually quite liked Wonder Woman. She did agree with the the things that didn't work, but she said it didn't bother her bother her as much. Right. Um. She really liked Justice League. FYI. <laughs> oh. Okay. Yeah, and she loved Man of Steel. Love All right, but she. Well, what, what, here's the real thing. What did she think about Batman versus Superman? Uh, she thought it was boring. Uh, she thought it didn't make sense, and she found a lot of it funny unintentionally. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. That's She's like, funny. that's ridiculous. Why did they do that? Why does this movie feel like it's four hours long? And I'm like, yeah, that's bad storytelling. <laughs> that's what that is. And I caught her. It was fun to catch her up on the whole, you know, Zack Snyder, you know, Joss Whedon comes back. Zack Snyder's back now. So she understands all of that. Um, so we go into Wonder Woman 84 on Christmas morning. Like, let this is how we're spending our Christmas day. Let's do it. Um, and yeah, it was a mess. I mean, <laughs> I, I had seen the, the kind of, you know, I try to avoid spoilers, but I'm on Twitter a lot. And I follow a lot of film writers on Twitter. I follow a lot of film writers, I should say black and and brown film writers. And mm-hmm. so that lens is part of their their review, you know, or 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 they include that lens. And so there was a lot of I'll tell you what, Joe, the first thing that I read about this movie, um, and as a matter of fact, I should take a moment to um just go to her Twitter page and give her proper credit uh, because she is a black uh, film reviewer whose work I really, really enjoy her. Uh, she goes by her, her. She goes by Valerie complex on Twitter. She's a film critic, author, uh, screenwriter. She's uh, openly lesbian and uh, her take on wonder woman is, uh, she called the movie aggressively heterosexual. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, she said it's all over the place, you know. And so I just, I kind of saw that and was like, hmm, okay. Like, <laughs> uh, that's interesting, you know, and, and kind of went into it with like that kind of question mark in my head and then just also knowing, okay, like it's, it's, you know, some people call it a little bit racist. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so I'm like, okay, this, this movie's going to have problems. 
Yeah. But maybe they'll deliver on the fun factor. You know, like (laughs) (laughs) Joe, what? (laughs) Oh, what? It's just no. It it wasn't a fun movie. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, honestly, Ray, I went into this movie knowing it wasn't going to be good. So you know me in expectations. I always set them low so that I'm not as disappointed. And I set this one really low. And um, because we saw it at the drive-in, Matt was asking me a lot of questions. You know, because it doesn't make sense. <laughs> the movie does not make sense. From beginning to end, it does not make sense. And at one point, I just started answering with him, answering him with, it's not a good movie. So he's like, well, why did that just happen? Because it's not a good movie. Oh, well, why did this happen? Because it's not a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's an accurate answer. I feel like that kind of sums it up. It, it, oh, oh, okay. Sorry. So let me correct myself here. I finally found her tweet. She tweeted this out on December 22nd. She said, WW84 is check incomprehensible, check unwatchable, check aggressively heteronormative. Can't believe I'm going to say this, but watching Wonder Woman 84 piques my interest for Zack Snyder's vision for Wonder Woman because what are they doing right now? The sound and ha- and Hans Zimmer score are the best attributes here. Uh, yeah. I I, <laughs> I felt like this is this is going to get me in so much trouble, but <laughs> I'm going to say it just because this is how I feel. <laughs> Wonder Woman 84 proves that women can do anything that men can do, including having a really really bad movie. Oh. <laughs> like like it was so it it it, it was so not interesting. It was so it, it it was like 90 remember you know we always talk about 90s comic book films and how they were great at the time but now that we have a new standard we we enjoy it yeah um this didn't even make 90s standards in my opinion this was back in you know the original way back in the day original captain america and supergirl and like, what are you doing and why are you bothering making this B-movie comic book film? Because it was like, yeah. it didn't make She's right. It didn't make sense. It, it was for something that was so groundbreaking on its first go. Like Wonder Woman, the original Wonder Woman, I thought was such a good movie. I felt like it was really, you know, putting out the call that um, super heroines can have amazing movies with amazing followings and amazing content. And I feel like this just took way steps back, way steps back. And it, and it, she, I still, I still struggle with the whole, um, what's, what's Chris Pine's character. Cause we just call him Chris Pine in this house. <laughs> Steve, Steve Trevor. Trevor. I always, I want to say Rogers and uh, it's Captain America. Well, Steve, <laughs> Steve Trevor he still came to her rescue too often, in my opinion. Um, yeah. She's this powerful woman who is going to let the rest of the world suffer because she doesn't want her boyfriend to, her dead boyfriend to be dead again. Like it, like it was just very un, 
centered on Steve Trevor. <laughs> well, yeah, it was just too, it was just, it, it didn't give her any agency whatsoever. I felt like she yeah. just kind of reacted to the world around her and not in good ways. Absolutely. And then, you, and then you take the, the, the cheetah character and like what we we've gone back to the needy, whiny, unable to take care of themselves woman, which I feel like we tried to get away from in the original wonder woman film. Like what are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, there was definitely more of the love conquers all thing, which, uh, you know, it's, it's just at this point, (laughs) there's two. And and I get, it seems like, uh, the filmmakers and the writers are sort of doing this in some sort of vacuum Mm -hmm. where they don't, you know, they, they just refuse to sort of, uh, kind of take a look around and it's like, read the room. Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, and this is what I don't understand. Like, wasn't it the same director? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so do you know anything about that story? Because I know you dig into this kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Did she just go, well, maybe I can save it? Like, how do you have this vision of the first one and be perfectly fine doing the vision of the second, or, you know, the second one? Did, did Warner Brothers just insert themselves again? You know, um, there's two takes and that's one of them. The two takes that I've seen, and I haven't seen either take kind of verified. Mm-hmm. One is that this feels like a very Warner brothers film by committee executives say it has to include this, this, and this checklist kind of movie. Mm-hmm. But I've also heard people say the opposite. This feels like a filmmaker was given carte blanche on what to do because of the success of the first one. And it just feels indulgent. This filmmaker just, just decided to do everything. And there was no one to say, no, you shouldn't do that. Edit that out. So I don't know. I mean, I haven't seen either verified. Because it's such a, it's such a departure from the original movie that I just don't, I don't understand what the thought behind it was. Right. Right. Uh, you know, Patty Jenkins in 2003 made monster, mm-hmm. uh, which is great, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, with, um, Oh my God. I can't, I can't remember her name. Um, did you see monster? I haven't, but Charlize, uh, Charlie Theron. Yes. Yes. Really great movie. Um, and then, uh, she did a bunch of TV after that rest of development entourage, uh, the killing, uh, betrayal, um, uh, and, and then she did wonder woman was her second film. Uh, and now she's done wonder woman 84 and that that's about it. So some people are pointing to, you know, her, her history, uh, filmography going, she, she's a good writer. She can make good movies. Maybe just not, I don't make some people are just, you know, not the right voice for superhero movies. I'm also looking at Jeff Johns here. <laughs> you know, let's yeah. not uh, put this all on the director. You know, no. Jeff Johns is supposed to be Mr. DC. And, uh, you know, he's been a very popular and successful comic book writer for a long time. But holy shit, his movies are all over the place. I just, yeah, that's it's it's amazing to me how inconsistent they're, well... <laughs> I don't know how inconsistent their movies actually are because most of them are really not very good. Um, yeah. But, but they, you know, it's like they'll, they'll have a success and then immediately they'll go back on it and have a failure. Like, and, and, and it's yeah. not a little failure. It's not, it's not a, I know a lot of people felt like 
Avengers Ultron was not a great movie. It was a step back from the quality of the other films and people complained about it a little bit, but it was still not as far back of a step as, as this one was, you know, I must, I must be somebody who expects something different from sequels than most people do because I enjoyed age of Ultron. I enjoyed Iron Man two. Mm-hmm. I'm not expecting it to be the first movie. Mm-hmm. I'm not expecting it to surpass the first movie. I'm expecting it to be kind of like a deeper dive into the character and just kind of like fun. You know what I mean? Right. And I, I enjoyed uh, Avengers Ultron. That, that, that is not my opinion. <laughs> that is, yeah, you know, yeah. I know it was a very popular opinion when the movie came out. And but yeah. this, this wasn't even fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll say this before we get into the details, because I have a bunch of questions for you about specific plot points and stuff. Okay. Um, but before we get into that, I will say I, I was thinking about this. I mean, I've been thinking about this a lot, you know, knowing that this podcast was coming up and we're getting ready to roast Wonder Woman 84. And um, I feel like it because there are so few women centric films made especially superhero films it i think you know it's pretty clear that they unfairly carry this extra burden of having to be all things to all people Mm -hmm. and i think that comes at the cost of just you know the, the filmmakers being allowed to just make a good movie just tell a good story i think that the first wonder woman suffered from this. And I think that Captain Marvel suffered from this. And I think Mm -hmm. it's really unfair. You know, if we get one superhero movie, you know, if if we're getting 20 or say 15 superhero movies this year, and one of them features a female superhero in the lead role, that's like, that movie has to do so much lifting, you know, and and it bears so much responsibility and that's not fair. No. And so I think that there are, elements of that, that, that like, you know, we have to take into account, you know what I mean? Because, Mm -hmm. because that can, to me, that right away makes some of the decisions kind of make more sense and why this movie is so bloated and the tone is all over the place. It's just everywhere, you know? Um, and, and that's, that's, you know, that fucking sucks (laughs) because because, it's a little bit what I meant by that, by that comment I made earlier, because I feel like, we've been putting so much pressure on, on these movies that this movie is it's, it's objectively a bad movie. I don't think that this movie now ruins the idea of women led movies moving forward. I feel like we've had enough success now, which is again, unfair, but I feel like we've had enough success where this movie can fail and not ruin female driven superhero movies for the rest of time. Right. Right. Um, yeah. You know, we need more, (laughs) we need more films, you know, that center a female superhero so that they, you know, they're free to, the filmmakers are free to just concentrate on telling a good story without feeling like, cause I, cause I do think that, you know, Steve Trevor's is a major issue with this story. Yeah. And, I, I think that a, it seems to me like a big reason why he's there is to make sure the boys have something to, you know, identify with and focus on in this movie. You know what I mean? Which um, is ridiculous because if you can't sit there and, and look at 
uh, Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman and not go, she is amazingly badass. And why in the hell? Like, the, just she's just she, like Wonder Woman is a cool character. And she's the only thing that I liked in this movie was the fact that I just, I do like Wonder Woman. I do love yeah. Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. But yeah, she's perfectly cast. Oh, yeah. She's wonderful in this role. I also like, I, I really feel like they, I know there was, we're starting the spoiler area, people. So if if you didn't mm-hmm. want to get spoiled, we're, we're starting now. Um, you know, there is that cameo at the end with, uh, um, is it Linda Wagner? Oh, yeah. Um, is it? No, it's not Wagner. It's, it's Linda not. Carter. Linda Carter. Thank you. And, uh, and she... I, I felt like the way they did uh, Gal Gadot's makeup, they really did kind of go back to, she looked in certain f- frames like Linda mm-hmm. Carter. And I thought that was kind of just a fun, like, you know, nod to the, to the eighties, but she was really the only good thing. And anybody who's like, well, I need a guy to be able to watch. First of all, um, <laughs> straight guys, why don't you want to watch a badass woman? <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, like right. to me, that would be. I, I know I enjoy watching Captain America, not just because he's a, a dude, because he's a hot dude, and I enjoy that. Right. You know, I'm not right. gonna, I'm not gonna be, <laughs> I'm not gonna say that that's not does not go into my viewing pleasure. Well, I feel like anyone who's not a straight white male has, you know, sort of <laughs> had to develop the ability to identify with a character <laughs> that, you know, doesn't completely represent them in their experience, but most movies like that's who the movie's about. So, you know, most storytelling, most media, that's the main character. And so we've all sort of been able to develop the ability to still find enjoyment in those movies, but there doesn't seem to be, you know, the, at least there's fear from the filmmakers that that's not going to work the other way around. Which is just so we gotta give them. We gotta make the movie about Loki about Steve Trevor. We gotta make. We gotta. We gotta get Steve Trevor in there. Yeah. But don't we have enough evidence at this point, Ray? Don't we have enough evidence that you can have a a minority led superhero movie and have it be successful? Like what? What are we still getting hung up on at this point? Yeah. Yeah. I. I mean, if if that's the case, and you're right, then then they're really. I think it just makes the choices look even worse than. (laughs) That's what I don't understand. Like this movie on no level makes sense. The plot doesn't make sense. The, the, the characters don't make sense. The character motivations don't make sense. And the fact that it would be allowed to be this bad for fear of not, you know, bringing in the straight white male. Yeah. It makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then the way they brought him back too. Was so yeah, it's bizarre. creepy. They just, it's yeah, <laughs> it's creepy. They didn't, but the thing I think, they didn't follow any of the rules that they established when they even bothered establishing rules. Yeah. And that's like a basic storytelling kind of function that you have to adhere to, right? Yeah, there was a lot of leaps of logic I had to do just to understand what, the power of this dream stone was. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So um, right away, it, before we, we jump in real quick, cause I, I want to, I have so many questions for you. Um, 
Well, for me, the good, limited as it is, is for one thing, Gal, Gal Gadot perfectly casts. She looks amazing as Wonder Woman. Yeah. It's a lot of fun seeing Wonder Woman on the screen, seeing the character of Wonder Woman do her thing. Right. Uh, that is great. Um, what other good? Is there any other good for you? No. What no. was your favorite scene in the movie, or at least the scene that that gave you the the least conniption? The uh, her her action sequence in the mall at the beginning. Okay, that scene was cringe for me. Was it? But that is a scene that I'm seeing a lot of people highlight as like that was good. Because it, and- honestly, it was just it was just her doing her thing. Like it, like yeah. it, it, it didn't. Nowhere else in that movie was there. That's why I watch superhero movies. I watch superhero movies. Yes, I love the story. I think Marvel is doing a great job developing the story. But at the end of the day, I will watch um, Civil War over and over again, even if I just watch the battle at the airport, because I love, that's why I watch superhero movies. I, I right. love the battle. I love, and, and it's the only time in this movie where she wasn't struggling with powers. She wasn't, um, you know, trying to fight against not being at full strength where she was fighting a CGI character that you couldn't really see anything going on. Um, (laughs) And so I'm not saying it was a great scene. I'm just saying it's the only scene that I was, if I had to pick favorite scene, that's, that's it. I I really like seeing Gail Gadot as Wonder Woman. Um, I, I, I'm glad that they gave us a a little, um, kind of throwback scene back at the mascara. I don't think it was fully successful, but I'm glad that Mm -hmm. they took us back there. Mm -hmm. Um, I really liked watching her figure out how to fly. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, Again, I'm I'm stopping there and I'm not, you know, taking into account (laughs) the implications of that and how it does it. Just, just the, the, the scene itself of her, you know, hearing, you know, hearing her thoughts and, and trying to figure it out or Steve thoughts. And, and, you know, uh, I thought that was a cool way to introduce, uh, we really haven't seen a lot of that of superheroes literally like figuring, uh, I think only Superman is the only one that comes to mind. Mm -hmm. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool. Um, I'll tell you what I threw me right away in the first scene was um it first of all it looked like a tv film like it yes. it looked like a soap opera quality uh camera and i thought what this is really odd like normally you can see the money that goes into a movie like this like in the in the camera at least like in the in the cinematography mm-hmm. you know and i know that marvel movies have this you know uh sort of uh, uh, infamous reputation now for looking kind of, you know, plain and the lighting's terrible or whatever, but they're doing that to try to make all their movies fit together. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether or not you think it's justified, whatever, but like that's, you know, but, but this just looked like it really looked, I thought like, is something wrong with my TV? Like, why does this look like, you know, TV quality? Well, my, my question is that were they trying to give it a bit of an eighties feel? Because yeah. they, that's another thing they didn't do well is 
I didn't feel like, oh, the nostalgic 80s. Like, yeah. you know, it, it, they didn't do the 80s well. They, they did the, the mall from Stranger Things in that first yeah. scene, which was the mall from Stranger Things. Yeah. And then that was it. Yeah. And so, everything else was like occasionally you'd see somebody in an outfit that you were like, oh, yeah, the 80s. But it was almost <laughs> they were mocking the 80s more than they And that was something that Matt said, that they were almost mocking the 80s instead of being um, – historic with it or nostalgic with it or whatever you want to do with it. But if you're going to set it in the eighties, set it in the eighties. Yeah. Another thing that threw me in that first mall scene and why I couldn't really enjoy it is because, and this is the personal preference. I I'm finding that I don't like when superheroes do hokey. When, when, when they do kind of like tongue and cheeky kind of like, it's like you can almost hear the clown noises in the back when like the, the, the the villains of the scene kind of like fall on their face or something. You almost hear right. like a, like you almost hear like a wah, wah, like you know like yeah that yeah. kind of thing. And and that first scene definitely had that feel to me or that tone. Mm-hmm. And I just I'm just not. I mean I love Aquaman. Aquaman is big and goofy and fucking you know <laughs> strange. But and I love that film. I have a lot of an, uh, uh, um I don't know. I just have a lot of affection for that movie. But. The parts of that movie that I hate the most are like the scenes in Italy where like she's eating flowers and shit. And it's just like, ha ha ha. It's like a Mentos commercial. Yeah. And yeah. to me, the mall scene in Wonder Woman 84 just felt like a Mentos commercial with like the hijinks of, you know what I mean? Like of, right. of, of, of this, this sort of like escapade that she's on. And then the whole thing with like, it just right away to me felt like, Oh no, they're checking the boxes. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I, I want to see representation. I want to see diversity, but I want it to be like woven into the story in a way that makes it feel substantial and earned. I don't want her winking at a random little black girl in the first scene just to be like, check. There you go. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, you're not mm-hmm. really gonna see another That's black exactly person. Exactly what it felt like. That's exactly what it felt. You're like. not gonna see a black person again for the rest of the fucking movie in any substantial way whatsoever. But there you go. You got yours. You know what I mean? No. Like, and I just thought, oh no. Like they're doing it again. They're just gonna, you know, like this. This movie's gonna be just a bunch of boxes checked. So I was immediately from that first mall scene thrown. With the tone, with the you know the the movie by committee, um, just the look of it, the cinematography, I was immediately taken out. Going, oh, fuck. Yeah, <laughs> here, oh, yeah. here we go. It was no, it wasn't, it wasn't a good. It wasn't a good scene. <laughs> there's, there's nothing else. Like, is there something else that you could pick that you were like, oh, that's my favorite scene in the movie? Oh, that's a great question. Um. Who you know, I was going to, uh, there's just so, it, it, this is another thought that I had while watching the movie. I thought, wow, there's a lot of great tiny little moments within larger problematic scenes that I wish I could, re- like, I tried to make a list of them while I was watching the movie and then the movie just, I couldn't keep up with it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, there yeah. was so much happening that I was like, shit, I'm not going to remember that little look that she gives or that little, like, that that small physical gesture that Cheetah makes that makes that that was kind of cool, but it's in the context of a scene that's terrible. 
So yeah. I can't really point at any one scene and say, okay, boom, that was good. Because even the stuff at Themys- Themyscira, at first I was like, dope, she's a badass, she's a kid. And then I was like, <laughs> wait, I guess, like, why are they allowing her to compete with these grown women when she's like a weapon created by Zeus? Like, she's not a little right. girl. This right. isn't you're gonna, impressive. She's <laughs> cheating by by being innovative. I like. I didn't think she, like I was like, okay, so there's some, some weird rules going on in this competition. If she cheated by, um. You know, she took the shortcut, but it's like, yeah, but she was out of the running and she did what she needed to do to get back in. It didn't look like cheating to me, well, but if you're going to call cheating, it's Wonder Woman. As yeah. you said, the weapon of the gods. <laughs> like Another thing, the more I thought about this movie, it don't, like I remembered, wait, wasn't she forbidden to do anything like that by her mother in the first movie as a kid? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So does this scene come after? At what point? Because she's trained in secret. Well, her not mother- only that, I mean, that, isn't that whole the whole the whole back in the day Wonder Woman like? Origin story is that she sneaks into the competition when she's not supposed to. Yes, exactly. But in the first movie, she is trained in secret um, by uh, what's Robin Wright Penn's character's name? Um, oh, God. I, yeah, I wish I could remember it off the top of my head. But um, she's trained. It, it, and, and her mother, Hippolyta, gets super upset when she finds out that she's been trained. Mm-hmm. So does, I don't understand when this scene is supposed to take place where her mom's like, okay, all of a sudden with her participating in this like Amazonian Olympics or, or, or ninja warrior competition. So that's, that also doesn't jive with the first movie. No, um, no so much wrong. There's just so much wrong. Yeah. And, and so, you know, as much as I want to be like, yes, they took us back to the mascara. That was my favorite part of the first movie. It just still doesn't make sense. And then, and then right away we're, we're in the mall and then I'm like, Oh fuck. Like this is not looking good. Um, I don't know. I mean, I was excited to see Kristen Wiig do this character because I like Kristen Wiig, but she's mostly, you know, she's a comedic actor. And so I, you know, and I enjoy her films and I enjoy her as, as a comedian and an act and an actor. So I was excited to see her kind of like stretch and, you know, do something different. Um, but then right away it's like, Oh, they're just doing the whole, like, you know, Jamie Foxx's electro from Spider-Man, amazing Spider-Man. Well, like, she's, uh, she's, well, not only that, but she's she's basically, um, oh, what's her name? The Selena the Kyle, yeah, from, from Batman the, Returns. That's that one. <laughs> it's the exact same character, it's exact, but it's also Jamie Foxx's Electro from the beginning of Amazing Spider-Man Two. Yeah, it's the same yeah. nerdy, you know. It's also um, uh, what's his name, Killian from uh, Iron Man Three. It's the same. <laughs> it's the same character so the beginning they're just super nerd awkward socially awkward you know kind of you know uh uh, idolizing slash secretly in love with the main superhero who doesn't give them the time of day in the beginning you know kind of like uh low-key or sometimes high-key insults them and dismisses them and then they come 
back. It's the same thing, the exact same arc we've seen so many times. So I was disappointed by that. I was like, oh, man, they're not taking advantage of the fact that this is Kristen Wiig and she's a brilliant, you know, comedian and, you know, she can probably do something with this. Yeah, no, she didn't. I, I, I don't blame her at all because she did not get much to work with. She really did not. Yeah, I really thought that the um the MacGuffin, the 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 Dreamstone, I guess they call it. Mm-hmm. I thought knowing knowing DC Justice League, you know, uh, stories, I thought that was going to be the Philosopher's Stone. And I, I, was don't, kinda, I don't know enough about DC to, to weigh in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I thought that's what that was going to be. And then they call it the Dreamstone. And the Dreamstone was like an actual thing, I think, from history. Like it's a it's an actual artifact of, of lore, I think. Okay. But um, I was like, oh, no, it, it's part of DC as well. I guess it's a different stone in DC. <laughs> Philosopher's Stone, Dreamstone. Okay. So there's a lot. Um, but um, – so yeah, that that the rules of that also seemed kind of weird. Like, and I knew it right away. I I knew it. I as soon as the guard touches it and says, "I want coffee. I wish I had coffee," and then turns around and there's someone handing him a coffee. I turned to Rosie and I said, "That's never going to happen that fast again. <laughs> like, right. it's, it's it's never going. To, we needed it to happen that instantaneously for for the story in that moment for that scene to establish that, but." She, she, you know, she holds the stone. She has a thought. We see a little bit of wind in her hair, and then two or three scenes later, <laughs> there's like Steve Trevor shows up in, in inhabiting the body of someone else at this at at this event. She's at again. I've got to say, it's so creepy. It's so <laughs> creepy. But like, but she doesn't actually say. I wish Steve Trevor was back. She never says that. She just thinks it. But then Mm -hmm. for the rest of the movie, it seems like people have to say the thing. Right. No, they didn't follow any rules. Any rules whatsoever. Like, (laughs) what are the rules here? What's going on? Yeah. And then I don't like the whole, the whole son thing. Um, Maxwell Lord's son. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. What? What? What was the point? Like, there. Like, at some point, I'm like, oh, he's gonna be the thing that you knew it. Yeah, it was so bad. Just, just but, so except, bad. but it's not though. They introduce his son at the beginning, try to humanize him a little bit. Although, really, you just see him being shitty to his son, right? Or shitty in front of his son, and then he's like, you know, he's like, he feels bad about it, or he, you know, he doesn't want his son to know what a like douchebag he is. So then, and then they don't follow up on that at all. He doesn't no, they don't shit follow- about his son for the rest of the movie. And at the very end, I'm like, why does he all of a sudden care about his son so much? Like he hasn't cared about his son the entire movie. Yeah. It, it, and then, and then, so like, it makes him sick, but then he just wishes it away. So what's the point of him being sick? Yeah. And then- you know, it, it just, it didn't make sense. It didn't yeah, it's not, it's, it's, at one point they try to simplify it for the audience by referring to it as a monkey's paw, mm-hmm. which is its own, you know, legend, scary story kind of thing. The Simpsons did a great uh, uh, episode of Treehouse, Treehouse of Horror uh, on mm-hmm. the monkey's paw. Um, 
where you know you wish for something but and you get it but you don't get what you want in the in a way that's actually like beneficial to you you know it it it, it actually ends up costing you something right yeah, that's that's another thing that they just like they said okay it costs you the, the line i believe was it costs you the thing that you care about the most but that's not and, true for the coffee guy it was no. just too hot yeah what? and then <laughs> And then for for Wonder Woman, really the thing she cares about the most is her powers. Like really, in I the entire world, I could see that because her powers could be the thing that that the thing that allows her to help people. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I really want to justify it? Maybe. <laughs> I, I could kind of see that, and I know I don't. It doesn't seem like uh, Barbara Minerva like uh, cheetah's character like the thing that she cares about the most is being nice to people yeah it seems like the thing really she care about no <laughs> <laughs> the thing she is nice to people but that didn't seem something that was like really valuable to her the thing that seemed really valuable to her was diana yeah you know so if it costs her diana that would, in some way that'd be different um yeah. I, I don't it just nothing nothing made sense I, I I read somewhere where someone said oh the the thing that it costs you what they should have said was it's proportionate to the thing you asked for so if you ask for a cup of coffee then the worst thing that happens to you is that it burns you because it's hot mm-hmm. but if you ask for the world you know for all the power in the world then it's gonna cost you you know your life or something right right right. So, but they didn't do that though. So that <laughs> no, they were very, they were very vague because they were like, "Well, we'll just let it do whatever we need it to do whenever we need it to do it," and that's just bad storytelling. Before before we get into um, oh my god, there's so much that we're skipping over that I wanted, to, but whatever. Um, because the 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 jewelry store in the mall is really a front for. Uh, a cache of stolen antiquities, mm-hmm. <laughs> like a black market thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how the Smithsonian where Diana works even comes in contact with this dreamstone, right? Because it's it's in it's part of this cache of stolen artifacts and, and mm-hmm. antiquities. Um, and the FBI apparently just doesn't give a shit about it; they just give it to the Smithsonian without checking. <laughs> like checking yeah. any of it out of what it is. Yeah, here you go. Well, I mean, when, when I don't know about what you were going up, uh, Ray, but you know, I'm I'm sure there were all sorts of black market things going on in our, on in our mall. You know those. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Borders uh, bookstores were really sketchy. It's just really like, oh, this is an '80s. This movie set in the '80s. How do we get a mall in this movie somewhere? And this was the yeah. best that they could come up with. <laughs> this was the best that they could come up with. So, okay. Uh, all right. Let's, you know, moving on. Okay. Um, I, what did you feel about the, how, where they start off the dynamic between Barbara and Diana? Did you feel some type of way about that <sighs> dynamic and where that was going and, and whether or not the movie was going to be centered on, the the friendship or or whatever dynamic you know relationship dynamic between these two characters. I was too distracted by the fact that it was Sharon Stone. Like it was, you know, <laughs> it, it was such a repeat of that character that I was it, it, it 
You mean Honor. Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, I'm sorry, Michelle, Michelle Pfeiffer. That's <laughs> okay. That's why I was cracking up. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so it, it was just such a repeat of that, of that tropey. It, it was just cringy. And again, <laughs> I love, I love Gal Gadot and she's wonderful. And she did a great job with most of her scenes, but she was working with nothing. And Kristen, Wig was working with nothing, and it was just. What did you think about that scene? Did you did you have a feeling about that? Because I was I was fully just distracted by how bad the character was starting out. Okay, so based on the trailers, I, I had a best case scenario and a worst case scenario in my head. Best case scenario in my head was that Steve Trevor was going to be a cameo. Mm-hmm. That the thing at the beginning of the third act that would kind of bring Diana's story arc sort of full circle. That was best case scenario for me, that she was going to be caught up in something either over her head or maybe, you know, because the the Iron Eagle, the Golden Eagle armor in the comic books especially in kingdom come, which is where it made its debut. It symbolizes Diana's brutality Mm -hmm. and her military, her militant militarism. Mm -hmm. Right. And in kingdom come, she's like, you know, that's the thing that she, uh, that's how she's gone astray. Right. Batman is, you know, uh, uh, super authoritarian. Superman has given up. So he's no longer hopeful. And wonder woman has gone from this, like, you know, bringing, peace to the world to like a fucking like eagle she's you know a war eagle basically yeah vengeance basically yes so my thinking my best case scenario in my head was ooh, the golden eagle armor maybe she's gonna get brutal as fuck in this movie and steve you know is gonna come back as some wish and go what the fuck are you doing and she's gonna go oh my god it's gonna like snap her out of it and she kind of like recalibrate her Mm-hmm. Her mission as an Amazonian in 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 man's world, and See, then already right there, you have already rewritten this story in a way that would make so much more sense. Because then the thing that she loses from the wish is the her compassion for other people, and she just becomes vengeful, and that's what has to be fixed. Right, right, um, and and that makes so much more sense. Uh, yeah. So and that's. So- I'm, I'm sorry. I want to go back to like you. There. I. I don't know. I don't know the writer's name. I do know at some point in Wonder Woman's history, they took away her powers and made her a detective. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole movie about it. And they people were were really upset because they're like, here's this. You know, we don't have that many female superheroes. Here's this wonderful character, and you're taking away her powers. This is just not mm. cool. And the writer felt really bad because that was not his intention. He was trying to say, see, she doesn't need her powers to be amazing. And and it was just it was a miscommunication and maybe some some privilege got in there and mm. and whatever. But as soon as she started losing her powers, a I hate that in films because I'm I want to watch Wonder Woman. I don't want to yeah. watch Wonder Woman struggle to just do Wonder Woman things. Yeah. But second of all, it's like, well, it didn't work in the comics 50 years ago when you did it to her then and people didn't yeah. like it then. Why are people going to like it now? And and this movie was really fucking long and 
and we only saw a snippet of the of the costume at the beginning in the mall, and then we didn't see it again at all until the very end. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I that was my best case scenario for Steve Trevor's role in the film and where the plot might go. And when they started off, you know, they started to create that dynamic between Barbara and Diana. I really was at that moment thinking, Oh shit, maybe this movie is going to be about these two women and their (laughs) dynamic and their interaction. And we're going to get like, it's Patty Jenkins. Like we're going to get a fully fleshed out, you know, a uh, uh, relationship dynamic, friendship, whatever. I, I wasn't thinking it had to be romantic, whatever. But just, you know, it's going to be about these two mm-hmm. and our leads. Why else would they cast Kristen Wiig in this care in this role unless they wanted someone with the star power and the name recognition to kind of co-headline this movie with Wonder Woman, right? And and right. then and then we didn't see. Barbara again for a long ass time. <laughs> yeah, well, because we have to we have to spend time with Trevor because he's the most important thing in this film. Yeah, she just goes away, <laughs> and I forgot about her until she calls. I think Diana calls her and goes, "Hey, what have you found out about this stone thing?" And she goes, "Oh, so I've been doing research." And I'm like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> like, that's right. I'm like, where the fuck has she been? Oh yeah, like they had to give her something to do off screen because they had to do all these Max Lord scenes and all these Steve Trevor scenes. So has Nando come out with a a fix for this movie? Oh, let me tell you. Okay, that was going to be my shout out at the end. Spoilers for the end of this podcast. Nando's my shout out because Nando has both. Done. I, I love his podcast. It's called Mostly Nitpicking. Uh, if you haven't, give it a listen. Please do. And if you have, the Wonder Woman episode is great. Uh, it's him and, and two his two buddies. I wish I could remember their names because they're also great. But what I love about his whole the 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 conceit of this podcast, Mostly Nitpicking, is that you know, Joe, where you and I, we tend to just tear movies apart. And I know people aren't always like jazzed about that but it's just we're just giving our honest opinion you know our our honest Mm -hmm. uh, reaction to some of these films and if we love a thing we love it we unfortunately hate way more things um and with this mostly nitpicking podcast that nando co-hosts they they're not bashful they're like it's in the title like we're knit we're mostly just gonna nitpick and complain they do go over the things that they love they do but you know, they're just like very upfront about what their podcast is about. So I can kind of go into going, okay, let me hear this thing. Even movies that I love, they nitpick, you know, and I'm because that's their thing. Um, so that's great. And then just the other day, my YouTube algorithm lets me know, hey, Nando has a new film out and it's one small change for Wonder Woman 1984. And I was like, holy shit, that was fast. <laughs> like, that was really fast. And it's great. And um, I highly recommend it. Anyone go out and watch the the, the change. I won't spoil it, but the change that he makes does have to do with the armor. It's not quite what I kind of just spelled out, but it's along those lines. Um, Check that out. And I thought, okay, that's cool. And then he says in the beginning of that video, I'm probably going to make more than one video about Wonder Woman 1984. But this is the first one. And, And I really liked it. I really enjoyed his take, as I always do. And then on, I follow him on Twitter, and he said, 
he he posted on Twitter yesterday. I just got my idea for the big Wonder Woman rewrite I'm going to do. And I'm so excited. And I'm like, so yes, yes. Awesome. <laughs> I know. I'm like, yes. His rewrite of Justice League was phenomenal. It, yes. It, amazing. And I even enjoyed his rewrite of Man of Steel, which is, a, I love Man of Steel, but I mm-hmm. really enjoyed his rewrite of that. So I'm super excited for his rewrite of 1984, but he already has uh, a, a one small change video. So definitely go check it out. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> I mean, it definitely did not end up being my best case scenario for this movie. <laughs> uh, definitely the worst case scenarios in play. Uh, the, let's talk about how they brought Steve Trevor back. Okay. Um, so he shows up at a party. He's in the body of a man, a random man, uh-huh. which who I believe is credited in the, in the film's credits as handsome man. Yes. We never get his name. He's just handsome man, which that's, you know, subjective. I didn't think that dude was that handsome, but um, I guess he couldn't be more handsome than Chris Pine. Otherwise people would call bullshit. I don't know. But uh, (laughs) so, so Diana doesn't see Steve Trevor. She sees this other man, but then she says, all I see is you, Steve. So she's, she's looking into someone else's face, but because of her feelings for Steve, like she doesn't even hear his voice. That's weird, right? Mm-hmm. Why would you do it that way? Did, did, why? Like, I guess what? What is the rules that say his physical corpse body can't just come back reanimated? Because it seems like this dreamstone can do anything, right? Anything. And- like it, it literally time travels, or or um, what's the word? Uh, phases. <laughs> Uh, the president from one place to another. So why couldn't it do that? It, it, it creates nuclear warheads out of nowhere, or maybe it makes them vanish. They don't explode. I don't think, or maybe they do explode, but why is, why do we all of a sudden have this story hurdle where we can't just say Steve is back? Like he's just materialized through the power of this stone and Diana's wish. Why does he have to inhabit the body of so a man that already exists. And then you go, well, maybe because they want to skip over certain inconveniences, like, hey, this guy's supposed to be dead. Now that he's inhabiting this man, this man comes with an apartment. Uh-huh. This man comes with a passport. Oh, no, wait. They have to fucking steal a plane because Diana oh. goes, you don't have a passport. You're dead. It's not Steve Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> it's this man that exists. Why wouldn't he have a passport? Yeah, it, it just and and then is anybody else creeped out by the fact that she has sex with her boyfriend in this other guy's body? Yeah, super. Like it just doesn't. Like, that's just not okay. Yes. It's not okay. And and there's so much wrong with this movie. The the well, let's talk about the plane for a second. I saw from a mile away, from a mile away, that we were going to get the invisible jet, and we didn't even get it that great. Like it wasn't. <laughs> like, yeah. Why? Why bother bringing the invisible jet into the same oh, God, movie that you're going to teach her how to fly? I just don't. As, as soon as we got, they got into a jet. I knew where it was going. Yeah. And I even stopped the movie and I said, "Hey, just so you know, Rosie." In the, in the comics and in the cartoon, she flies an invisible jet. So that's probably where they're going to go at this point. And 
she goes, oh, and then we, sure enough, <laughs> press play. There you go. It's it's and it's this power that you just like. Oh, randomly, Zeus used to do this, and I I think I know how to do this. It's like, why didn't you ever do it in the first movie? Why didn't we see you do something like that in Justice League? <laughs> right, right, exactly. Um, uh, random guy loses control over his body for a dead guy to. Uh, without consent, dead guy using body to have sex with woman he loves without the person of the actual body making, uh, uh, knowing. And then it says it makes Wonder Woman a rapist of sorts. Like, like there's no consent. Like this, this very rapey. It's very rapey. And I was very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, and then at the end, <laughs> She sees him in the last scene and she's kind of flirting with him a little bit. Like I've seen your dick, bro. Like I've and he has no idea. It's like, wonder what you're being really pervy right now. Like really. Like she's kind of right. She's kind of open to hooking up with him. And he just goes, well, have a good day. And he walks away unbeknownst that <laughs> she's just like, well, it's, all right. And then, right. and then it's problematic because is she actually having sex with, because she likes, like if, if they were to start a relationship, is she just using him because she has fond memories of having sex with his body when her boyfriend was in it? Like, Hey man, no king shaming. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, yeah, that was really a such a fucking strange choice. Oh, it was so weird. So like unnecessarily convoluted and problematic. Yeah. Like it's almost like if something's convoluted, you go, oh, it's because they're trying to avoid a problematic thing. Or if something's problematic, you go, oh, it's because they didn't want to go through the, you know, all the hoops of like making it really convoluted. So they just want to, but no, this is both. Yeah. <laughs> they managed yeah. to do both. Uh, another tweet from Saeed Jones, who's one of my favorite uh, follows on Twitter, says, Every scene of Wonder Woman 1984 was written by a different committee under the influence of a different edible. None of the committees knew about the other committees. <laughs> uh, um, Wonder Woman 84 uh, on opening day, or I guess on the day it was released, lost its certified fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes after dropping from 89% to 65%. And it has a 6.0 rating on IMDb tied with Suicide Squad for the lowest rated DCEU film. Ugh. I mean, I would, honestly watch, I would honestly watch Suicide Squad before I watched Wonder Woman 84 again. Oof. Like, like, I, yeah, yeah, I, it, it was it just, it, it, it take, it really took me back to pre X Men comic book movies. Yeah. It, just felt like we're 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 being very tropey we're throwing in things that people go oh cool that thing from the comic book and not not taking advantage of what had been built up previously and not cool like like we said we said venom is very 1990s (laughs) we did it kind of in a fun way this this is it's not a fun movie it was hard to watch yeah um Another change that I found myself wishing for while I was watching this movie, because I actually, 
I enjoyed Pedro Pascal's. I just enjoy Pedro Pascal, but um, I really enjoyed his performance, you know, uh, uh, trying to ignore some of the lines and some of the, you know, the things they had his character do. Just his performance, it seemed like he was having a lot of fun with it. And I didn't expect Max Lord to be so, like, cringy suave. You know what I mean? Like, trying to be cool guy. And turning it on and turning it off, I thought that was interesting, like an interesting way of playing the character that I didn't expect. Mm-hmm. And I kind of liked, but I found myself halfway through the movie going, I wish this movie had started with Max Lord already in possession of the Dreamstone. It would have cut like, out a lot he, of the yeah. – not problematic stuff, but I mean, it would have it would have allowed that space to either not exist, so it was a shorter movie for us to suffer through. Yeah, because or, that's, right, right. Yeah, it would have it would have cut through some of the problematic stuff that was already there. That you know, let's just get to the the meat and potatoes of what you're trying to tell with the story. Because at a certain point, and I totally forgot about this until right now, looking at the Wikipedia page. At a certain point, they all discover that the Dreamstone was created by Dolos, the god of lies, treachery, deception, and mischief. So basically the DC Loki mm-hmm. created mm-hmm. the Dreamstone. And by the way, they find out from this half Mayan dreadlocked. Yeah. Whoa, what yeah. is going on with this character? Cringy as, who's in possession of this old Mayan book. And, and not not at all necessary because um, not only does um, does Diana obviously read Mayan, but she reads all these other languages, and she works at the Smithsonian. How hard would it be to go? Oh, I know where that book is. Done, and we don't have to bring in another cringy character. And Barbara specializes in like six things. Yeah, give her something. to <laughs> Like, like I don't know. It's like zoology, geology, anthropology. Like <laughs> Barbara's like super genius and holds all these degrees and stuff. So like, yeah. But they bring in this character. Were they thinking like we need another person of color? Like I don't know what. Like we need a nod to like another culture or civilization. I don't know. But anyway, what if the throwback to Themyscira that the movie started with could have been about Dolos creating this thing? Yeah, exactly. And, and then the movies start in present day with Max Lord already in possession of this thing. And and we don't realize it until or or Diana doesn't realize it until weird shit starts to happen and she tra- starts tracing everything back to Max Lord. You know well, what I mean? Then, yeah, well and then on top of that, the the mascara um scene my my understanding was is that the idea is don't take shortcuts. So if we're going to say she cheated by doing something innovative to try and get ahead of the pack, um, then awesome. We'll, we'll use that. We should see that moral carry through. Right. But we don't, but nobody really took a shortcut. Like it took, it was all sorts of things that, that, um, uh, that they had to do to get what they needed done. Like nobody, nobody was able to take a shortcut because it was so convoluted to get to where they needed to be. Well, doesn't, doesn't um, Robin Wright Penn's character says something to her about truth. It's not the truth. And, and the truth is what matters. So I thought, okay, uh, Steve coming back is, is not the the truth for a while. I was like, Oh, what if Steve's not actually back? 
What if she's just perceiving that, but this guy is still in control of his body? You know what I mean? And then eventually they had so many interactions that I'm like, nope, that's out of the window. <laughs> like, but, I, but I really thought, like, what if she's just fooling herself and seeing what she wants to see? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's like hallucinations. <laughs> it didn't have to bring in some poor guy who didn't have yeah. to stay in the exactly. Yeah, spoilers um, for for Fight Club, uh, my you know one of my favorite movies. Uh, you know, skip ahead fifteen seconds, but like you know exactly like oh, Steve was never actually there. This was literally just you're talking to an imaginary friend. Yeah, like yeah, you know, he's exactly. Tyler Durden. You know, like that that could yeah, but no. <laughs> yeah, I, I know I'm I know I'm skipping to the end on this one, but that's all right. This, we <laughs> this all wraps up with everybody in the world, everybody. Everybody in the world renouncing their wish. Everybody. Everybody. Um, the reason why I am emphasizing everybody is because we can't get <laughs> we can't get people in America to wear friggin' masks. Because- <laughs> <laughs> You're telling me that everybody in the world renounces their wish. Right. Everybody. Right. One yeah, guy it, it, wishes oh, for one guy wishes for a lady to drop dead and then she does instantly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we see all of them renounce their wish. And I guess it only works if everyone, like if one person decides to hold on to their cash, like this doesn't work. Is that, was that the rule that that's, was said? That was what it was implied. Now, if they had said that they had to get, um, what's his face to renounce his wish. Okay, fine. Then I'll buy that. Right. You know, then, then okay. Maxwell Lord has to has to renounce his wish, and then it all goes back because he's the one who started it all. Yeah. All right, fine. But everybody in the world, again, we can't get people to we can't do get people to do half the stuff they need to do to, for the general good anyway, and they're going to give up their wish right. to to yeah. I, Max buy it. Max somehow procures an audience with the president of the United States. Um who wishes for more nukes or more war <laughs> and uh, somehow, Oh God. Okay. I want to get into the whole TV station, you know, uh, lasso of truth, suddenly having all these powers, like grabbing onto clouds and lightning and, and somehow, I don't know, but I, I need to just, I'm just going to get into the really, really messy, uh, interlude set in um, the Middle East. Mm-hmm. That's that's just here's a here's a, a tweet, a series of tweets from Walter Chaw on Twitter. When a movie is bad, I tend to just let it be bad. It's hard to make something that's good. Most things are not. When a movie is socially morally repugnant in some way, however, I feel like if I don't say something, I become complicit to its messages. Wonder Woman 84 is repulsive garbage. Um, I want to go that far, but hey, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. you, you want to cry representation, but at what cost every single minority in the film and the woman who is considered to be less beautiful than its star, her crying about how hard her crying about how hard her life is. And she wants just one good thing to happen for her as absurd as it is typical. Uh, we should spend a, a second on the man who has his body used as a fuck toy for Wonder Woman and Steve Trevor for a while. At the end, decked out and returned to his body, he ignores Diana Prince's dead-eyed advances. Um, 
let's see. Hold on. There's more here. Um, it, it has the brutal beating of a rapist as the clue that a woman has broken bad. Oh, that's right. When Barbara's beating the shit out of that creepy fucking rapist assaulter. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Diana steps in and goes, no, no, no. You've gone too far. What is wrong with you? Uh, what's the message embedded in this? That beating rapists is a bad thing? It, it suggests that returning colonized land in the Middle East will facilitate the end of the world. Uh, and it would have been appalling in the fanatical portrayal of Arab villains, even without having an Israeli model and outspoken proponent of IDF as its star. Right? I don't know if a lot of people know this, but Gal Gadot is um, Israeli and is very, very pro-Israeli and was a member of the IDF. So, I, okay. Knowing that, all I'm going to say is, why would you even go there? Regardless of your feelings on that, which I have very specific feelings on that, but regardless of your feelings on that, why would you even go there? Right. There was a lot of places they went that they didn't need to go. I mean, we've already pulled out several of them. Why would you open that can of worms? Yeah. And, and, you know, not, I, I I don't think, don't take offense to this, my friend, but I don't know that you and I are that special, but we can (laughs) sit here and in an hour fix half a dozen problems with this movie. How do people who get paid to do this for a living get to this point where this movie is made and these things are still in it? I just don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just, a lot of these as, as someone who really like has loved the character wonder Woman since I was a kid, like, <laughs> you know, starting with super friends and like, mm-hmm. I'm super excited to see wonder woman movies being made and to watch this character, you know, do her thing on the, on the screen. There are so many choices being made here that just don't make any sense and are like actively hurting the stories mm-hmm. and the character. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's I, I just I felt like I needed to touch on that before we we move on to the end of this movie, which I remember thinking, what a weird way to get around the um the story rule that he needs to be touching the person. Yeah. Now TV is like, is it, is that a commentary on technology? How are televisions? Now is it only like a metaphorical thing that people are being touched? So it's not physical touching anymore. That's necessary. I, I, I guess I, it's just a bad movie. <laughs> like, I, I've got to answer the, I've got to answer the question. Like I answered all of Matt's questions. It's just a bad and then, movie. And then like, like the lasso of truth. I, at some point in the movie, I had to go, okay, you know what? It's a weapon forged by the gods. It's as long as she needs it to be at any moment. In that case, why isn't a bracelet of truth then? Because then she could just carry it around her wrist and the bracelet can just stretch into whatever. Um, but it's a lasso of truth. And it stretches out and suddenly it's able to grab onto lightning or clouds or whatever. I think at one point it grabs onto a building spire. And then at another point it grabs onto an airplane in the sky. Well, she was definitely, she was definitely channeling Spider-Man. In this oh movie. my God. <laughs> yes. Spider-Man web slinging. Yes. Okay. So we're going to establish that she 
can fly. And in the comic books, she can fly. Like, not, not always. She used to not be able to, but now she can. All right. Awesome. So if that's the case. I know where you're going um, with this. Does, does she need to use the lasso like a helicopter blade like Thor does? Right. Is that a, does she need to um, grab onto lightning? Right. Does she just need to? Does she just need to do it? Does she need to like? Is she just? Is she just parachuting? Or you know what? Like even we can make her fly now is convoluted. You know. Like, yeah. A big part. I just want to add to that list that you're creating because a big factor in the final battle she has with Cheetah is that they're hanging on the rope and dangling and spinning in circles as Cheetah holds on to her and is like, they're like fighting and she's trying to kick Cheetah off of her. Just fly. You can fly. Like let go <laughs> of the rope. Why are you dangling from this rope at this point? It just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Do you have an ice cream man coming by your house? I do. <laughs> maybe, maybe this makes this rant. This just adds another level to this rant. We're all ranting, and there's like circus music going on in the background. Oh maybe that's appropriate. <laughs> no way I can edit it out, so I have to at least acknowledge it. Maybe that's appropriate, Joe. Uh, oh, uh, it's our it's our friendly neighborhood ice cream truck. Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I decided to open all my windows this morning to give my yeah. cat some fresh air. And uh, my, my <laughs> what can I say? My block is hot. You know, there's a lot of kids on this block. This ice cream man knows what he's doing. He parks <laughs> out in front of my apartment every single day. Because, uh, yeah, I can't be mad at him. He's making his money. <laughs> no, it makes me so happy because <laughs> you were all ranting about Wonder Woman, angry, angry, angry. And in the background, we have this very carefully ice cream man music. Oh, shit. Uh, uh, yeah, and it's just going to continue. Let's keep. T- I actually love this now. Let's keep talking about the ending of this movie to this fucking appropriate score, because at, because at a certain point, I've just accepted that this lasso can do whatever the fuck it needs to do, and then it tests it tests my my suspension of disbelief because we find out that Diana is speaking to the television or speaking to the cameras. By lassoing Max Lord's ankle unbeknownst to him? Yeah. It, it doesn't make him tell the truth, right? He, he says, I'm not listening to you. And she says, I'm not talking to you. Mm-hmm. And then she continues to talk. And then everyone around the world can hear her. Right? Right. What the fuck? <laughs> it's a bad movie, right? <laughs> and then, like, I thought she couldn't reach him with the lasso because of the wind storm that's happening in the TV studio. I think the last the last question that Matt bothered asking me in the uh, in the while we were in the drive-in was he's like, "Why is it windy?" And I had to answer the same thing because it's a bad movie, Matt. Right. It's the power of – but then why can Max Lord see everyone? That's not how television studios work. He doesn't have monitors on the rest of the world. No. I I don't know. So how come he can see – can he see his son? Does he have a vision? Who gives him the vision? (laughs) That's just – oh, God. What? Yeah. Yeah, There's nothing – there's nothing like – this this movie is so ridiculously bad. I don't understand how you like this. 
this is worse than anything else. Like DC is going backwards. I don't understand how, what, I just don't understand. I just don't understand. Like it shouldn't yeah. be that it should have never allowed to get like, it's not one thing we're not nitpicking. And I don't, you know, you mentioned that we, we tear movies apart and I feel bad because I don't like, I, I don't try and promote that. But when, when we, when we criticize, we kind of do it in the, 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 a lot of times, especially with the Marvel movies, we do it with the what we would have liked to have seen, how we think they could have made it better. Things that we were a little bit like maybe this wasn't handled in the best way. Yeah. Um, and with a lot of DC, like I feel like they could be arguably bad movies. And 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 we we point it out. This I don't think anybody could possibly claim that this is not a terrible terrible movie there's just there's just so much wrong with it and it's it's mind-boggling to me that nobody involved in this put the brakes on and went hold on here this is not gonna work like how did patty jenkins not put the brakes on because she obviously has made some good movies in the past yeah how did she not say let's stop this how did how did somebody in some position of power at Warner Brothers, go, wow, this makes no sense. It's not, we're not talking minutiae here. We're not talking about a script that just didn't quite hit the mark. Every single scene has something in it that's problematic. Yeah, absolutely. It. I'll tell you what, Joe, I saw a lot. I was, I mean, I saw a lot of tweets that day and the next day talking about how pumped they were people were to this new wonder woman watching wonder woman be a badass and watching her save the day and watching her save children and watching her defeat you know the the bad guys and uh i saw a lot of that and i think that there's a lot of people that just I don't, I mean that, you know, there's, I, I think maybe they're just looking for different things from the movies and we are. But at, like, what would that, what would that possibly be? Because <laughs> again, I, I felt like she wasn't able to be all that badass in a good chunk of the movie. Um, she wasn't able to like the story. It's not like you're sitting there going, Oh, well, it's a really nice story. The special effects were awful. And the, this was awful, but it, it was a very nice. Story. Like you can't say that. Like, I don't know what people would get from this movie. That's, that's positive. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe I'm just being too harsh. Maybe I'm just like my, my expectations. I don't know. I don't know how much lower I could have dropped the expectations of this movie going into it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I, I agree with you, but I, I, you know, and, and for the record, this does overwhelmingly have bad reviews. Right. And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, not a good reaction to this movie, but you know, I'm sure there are people that probably think suicide squad is fucking amazing. Like, (laughs) I don't know, you know? Um, So there, there, you know, there's, there's something for everyone. I feel like there's something out there for everyone, including Wonder Woman 84. But that being said, um, it wasn't immediately announced that Warner Brothers had decided to fast track Wonder Woman 3, bringing back both Gail Godot and Patty Jenkins. 
Now, that could be because they thought, great, this is working well for us and we want more, or holy shit, we need to move on from this as fast as possible. Yeah, yeah, I I hope. I mean, I, I, I would, I don't know if I would be hesitant to watch another Wonder Woman movie after this because I just Oof. don't want to see them hurt the character anymore, or if I might go into it going, you know what, it can't be any worse than this last one. Yeah. I mean, I'm, oh man, it's such a, she's such a great character. I'm going to tune in. Oh, I, of, course, of course we are. <laughs> I, mean, I, <laughs> I, mentioned, uh, I mentioned to you before we started recording this morning, uh, you know, I, I saw this movie on Christmas day. It's now, I think the third, of, the fourth mm-hmm. of January. Uh, and I told myself, oh, I should probably watch that, you know, again, rewatch, give it a rewatch before me and Joe record. And I just couldn't. The last two days, I've just been telling myself, hey, put that on at some point. And I just did not. I just couldn't bring myself to watch it again. So, you know, I'm, I'm relying on on the Wikipedia page and, you know, the, the plot synopsis uh, online and, and just tweets that I had set, set aside as notes. Uh, so, so, you know, I'll, I'll watch whatever Wonder Woman movie they put out. But, I, pro- I mean... I, I yeah, just, I, I hope it, I hope it fixes it. Like, I just hope it fixes it because it's, it's too good of a character. It's too good of a character to do this to. And I think in a lot of the other movies that I feel DC has messed up on, a lot of the times we're like, Wonder Woman is the best thing about Justice League. Wonder Woman is the best thing about Batman versus Superman. Oh my God, you know, yes, we have problems with Act 3, but the rest of the first Wonder Woman movie is just delightful. And then we get to this, and it's like, how? You had such good trajectory. You had such good momentum. How? It it just boggles my mind. Yeah. Yeah, totally. (laughs) It's going to be interesting to see how they, where they go from here, whether they... I can't imagine that they will double down, but if they really are bringing back the same team, then it's interesting to see where they feel they need to pivot to from, from this. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, You're sending me all yeah. of these wonder woman is great tweets and it just makes my heart hurt. Oh, uh, but watch, look at the last one that I said. <laughs> it's not a wonder woman is great tweet. It's a, Oh no. We have this terribly racist depiction of this Middle East character. <laughs> when they said Wonder Woman 1984, I thought they meant like neon colors and synths, but they meant horrifying Middle Eastern stereotypes. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah. There's, it, you know, there's levels to how bad you want to say this movie is you know some people are just like it's a bad story but you know depending on your point of view it's like whoa this movie is really really problematic and should not have been made no Uh, no. there's there's i i struggle like i said i struggle to find anything in this movie that i like I, i mean honestly I hope Chris Pine just walks away from the franchise and goes that's it i'm done i'm out because we don't need steve steve trevor anymore we're good we're good (laughs) we really really are yeah, I was and, really disappointed by the way they wrapped up his his 
portion of the movie with him basically begging her to be a hero. And she's like, I don't want it. Like, I don't, I want my boyfriend instead. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll, and then the, I'll never love again. Like, Oh God, come on. Like just why are you, why are you making this great character all about this man? Like why? Not, not even, not even realistic. Like there are plenty of people who lose their loved ones and Yes, you, it is hard, and you never necessarily love somebody else the way you love them. But that person would not want you to go through life, especially if you're immortal, um, not loving anybody. Like, it's just not realistic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, 40 years, and she's still, I mean, yeah. I'm not saying she should be out there dating, but to just declare that she'll never love again is just silly. Yeah, she's she's practically immortal. Come on. Um, okay, speaking of tre- Steve Trevor, before we wrap up, I do want to uh, so, something good. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Uh, I did like the the notion or the impulse that the the filmmakers had in this movie of of flipping the dynamic from the first movie where Steve is this knowledgeable person kind of mentor or guide through this new world and diana is this kind of like naive fish out of water where she doesn't understand things and it kind of renders her character as kind of childlike in the first movie and i i mean they did mine it for some good comedy and stuff but it did feel a little bit cringy for me at the time and Mm -hmm. in this movie they kind of flipped that and now Steve, yeah, and I can appreciate that yeah steve got to take his turn as being the the naive fish out of water you know, kind of not understanding things and, and Diana having to try to explain shit to him. And I liked that Yeah, part. I was like, cool. You know, like, I'm glad you did that. I'm glad you went there. Although how a World War II pilot can uh, fly a 1980s jet plane, I'm, I'm still confused by it. 100%. 100%. Yeah, <laughs> I, I got issues. I got issues. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, th- yeah. Anything else, Joe, you want to say on, on I, I Wonder Woman? Have, <laughs> I think we have ripped this poor movie apart. Um, I, I don't know that we've done this. I think the last time we've been this brutal with something was, was dark Phoenix. And, and I'm sorry, rightfully so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, yeah, I didn't think that anything could out bad that one. And this, this definitely has, this has got to be one of the worst superhero films out ever. Yeah. I think for me, Suicide Squad is still at the bottom for me. That was Oh, it's hard. down there. It's down there. But I, I, maybe it's because I feel like they should have known better with this one. Like the other one was a little bit more, well, we're going to just throw it and see if it sticks to the wall. This, they, they had a good thing and they messed it up. So that bumps it down a little oh, bit. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. Uh, and you know, those X-Men movies are, are, they're done. Yes, they got and it. and that version of Suicide Squad is is in the past in the in the rearview mirror, especially with with James Gunn's you know Suicide Squad movie coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I'm I'm kind of fascinated to see where where Warner Brothers goes from here, especially having just rewatched Aquaman, Justice League, you know Batman vs Superman, the first Wonder Woman movie. It's just going to be really interesting to see. It It, it doesn't, uh, man, Joe, 
You realize the next time we see Wonder Woman is going to be in Zack Snyder's four-part Justice League. Uh, yeah yeah and hopefully she'll still be the best thing about it (laughs) yeah that would be pretty great cyborg's gonna have an expanded role yeah how 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 (laughs) flabbergasted are we gonna be ray if we watch this and go wow wow this is this is really good i'm fully expecting it to be just awful I mean, I feel like just a double down. I feel like, and you know how we feel about double downs on this show. Okay. Let, let me go back to Valerie complex. Please follow her. If you're not following her on Twitter, please do that because her takes are amazing. And I really love her film writing. Check out Valerie complex. Um, let's go back to her tweet where she says, you know, uh, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but watching Wonder Woman 84 piques my interest for Zack Snyder's vision for Wonder Woman, because what are they doing right now? And then she goes on to clarify, don't start with, so you think Zack Snyder, blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying Zack Snyder's version is going to be better. I'm just saying I'm interested in seeing it. I thought I was clear in what I said. Please don't make it more than what it is. (laughs) So she's not (laughs) saying... You know, and we're, and I'm not saying that, oh, Zack Snyder's got, got the right take on Wonder Woman. No, just really curious to see where what that take is. And what, oh, she's right here. I'm, I'm following her right now. There we go. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What's next? Uh, what's next? All right. Yes. Let's move on. <laughs> I think we're done with this. Um, next week I am talking to, and you're more than welcome to join us, Ray, but I am talking to Todd from the Nerdberg review who uh, is our GM for the first episode of as the dice roll. So we're going to let people listen to that episode and talk to um and I'm going to talk to, to Todd about where he's going with the story and what he thinks about it and just game mastering in general. So that's what we're going to do next week. That's cool. um, then shortly after that, I don't know if it'll be the following week or a little bit later, but then we should have Wanda and the vision Wanda vision. Yes. Oh my God. That's like days away. Yeah. An, a nice palate cleanser. I think after, after this. Yeah, Absolutely. And that's yeah, that's it. Uh, you said you had shout outs. You still wanna you still wanna shout out? I was gonna shout out Nando because his channel his his content is great, and I was gonna shout out Valerie Complex, which I feel like I've done sufficiently because that she's a great follow on Twitter and her writing is excellent. And uh, I might as well just you know reiterate that my buddies Jason and Christian, I love talking this stuff with them. Um, and, and my partner, Rosie, who like, thankfully is, you know, (laughs) has the patience to sit, you know, with me and kind of, you know, figure out what, what my interests are. (laughs) And, and, you know, we've also been, you know, learning to dance cumbia, which is, you know, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm paying, you know, it's, it's, uh, uh, how do I put it? The, 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 the. Oh, it's a two-way street. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. Which so is I'm, good. I mean, that's how relationships yeah, should work. You as know? it should so, be. Exactly. She gets interested in your stuff. You get interested in hers. It, it exactly. Works. Yeah. So, and I feel like I really owe her because my shit has not been that hot lately. <laughs> <laughs> 
So yeah, shout out to to ev- basically just you know the community of people that I'm involved with in various ways in in you know being a geek and, and enjoying and and sort of digesting all this geek content that we're getting nowadays. All 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 of these factor into my enjoyment of this in some way. So thanks to everyone that I've mentioned. Absolutely. I'm going to kind of go that same direction and and thank my husband, Matt, for, for sitting through this movie with us. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and, and I got to say, Matt is, is somebody who does not take shit from movies. Like if you break a rule that you've established, he calls you out on it. If, if he sees something that's inconsistent, he calls you out on it. He has been known to like, get upset because the um the the show is supposed to take place in new jersey which is where he is from he's like that's not new jersey it's a citrus tree in the background we don't have citrus trees like that's the kind of detail he would get and he sat through this entire movie asking the occasional clarifying question (laughs) very patiently and and i i very much appreciate that because for somebody who just does not tolerate <laughs> inconsistencies. He did, he did a lot of patient tolerating on this movie. <laughs> so, Matt. so thank you, Matt, for doing that. He just shouted, "You're very welcome, sweetie." <laughs> <laughs> all right. All the music in this episode is by Ben Sound. It is being used under a Creative Commons license. You can find more music at Ben Sound at bensound.com. Uh, Geekitude is a proud member of the Geek to Geek Network. Check out other Geek to Geek shows such as the geek to geek podcast tea time with Katie and Chelsea Disney forever. You can't stop me. Loving K-pop, the Nerdberg review, my HGTV addiction, JPGs and me dragon quest FM and sometimes Rob and our newest podcast as the dice roll. Also check out our Twitch streamers, capsule J and Bama shocks, and make sure to join us in Slack or discord where you can chat with us in real time. You can currently find us at geektitude.com as well as on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and most, most other podcatchers out there. Please leave us a review and spread the word. If you would like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at geektitude or me personally at Epic Grays. Ray, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me at Ray Vargas3 across various social media platforms Twitter, Instagram, kind of Facebook still these days. Um, I'm at Ray Vargas and the number three, which is also my website, Ray Vargas three still slowly, uh, being transformed, but go ahead and check it out. If you want to see some of my artwork, uh, Gail Godot is on record as saying she wants Halle Berry to play her girlfriend in a wonder woman film. Oh, that would be awesome. Congrats to you listener for listening this far into the podcast. <laughs> that is reward your that. reward. <laughs> now and then like to throw something out there. <laughs> cool. This is yeah. Good joke. All right, on that on that little nugget of information, uh we will we will depart ways, but uh this week remember keep it geek. <laughs>